So the main idea we want to focus on today is this: believers must build the church with care on the one foundation of Christ. City of Greece at that time named Corinth. It is a first-tier city to Greece, much like Shanghai is to China. It had a population of about 650,000 people, a large city for that time. It is a city of commerce. It is a city of culture, known for its philosophy and for its wisdom. It is a city of religion. There were many temples. There was the Temple of Aphrodite, the Greek god of love. There was the temple of the god of healing, and there, of course, is the temple of Apollo, the Greek god of power. But there was also the Jewish temple, the synagogue worshiping Yahweh, the Lord God. But even more so, Corinth was known as a city of immorality, particularly sexual immorality. In many ways, it sounds like the city we're in, right? Sounds a little bit like Shanghai, with many businesses. Thriving cultural activity, people from all different re- religion, and of course, we also know there are many evils in Shanghai, right? I know that in Chinese, Shanghai is sometimes referred to as Modu, right? City of the devil. We know、um, many people come to Shanghai looking to make a living. You know, people have hoped to come here to make money, to maybe grow a career, maybe build a life. There are, of course, people who are truly looking for significance and are looking to maybe make an impact on this world. But then, deep down, I think we all want to build something that will last. You know, that is significant, and that's I think that's what people are looking for. But often, in the midst of these busyness, people do not realize, or maybe just forget that the Bible tells us we are made for eternity. You know, we often settle for temporary goals. You know, we think if I can just get through to the weekend. You know, if I can just get into a good college, get a good job, find the right house. You know, these are all good things to be busy with. But sometimes I believe in this busyness, it blinds us to the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of something that will last for eternity. How can we build something on last? And this is a question we should think about for Christians, for non-Christians, for adults, for children. And this is a question we should think about. Now, I believe our Bible pastor will shed some light on this question today. You know, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this question: How to build something that will last? And so, imagine Paul going to Corinth. You know, he shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many believe and became the Corinthian church. You know, we have read a few weeks ago in chapter one that the Corinth church was gifted, but you know, we also read last week in the beginning of chapter three that they are still immature and 
unspiritual. We know that the Paul's purpose for writing this letter was to instruct and to restore the Corinthian church in their area of weaknesses. You know, and some of those areas are, you know, what had to be talked about division, you know, immorality. You know, later on we'll talk about lawsuits against believers, abuse of the Lord's Supper, you know, false teaching on, on resurrection and offering. And we see that the love that Paul had for you know, these young believers, you know, in the way that he is appealing to them, he is correcting them, he is admonishing them, and, and, and he's exhorting them. So today we'll continue in chapter 3 from verse 10 to 17. So if you have your Bible, you can start turning there to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now this section is part of the greater section of Paul addressing the Corinthians' issue of division in the church. And so last week, Joe shared with us that you know, one cause of this division is, is our pride, right? And today we'll see that this division also caused the Corinthians to not be building the body of Christ or the church in a godly way. You know, Paul teaches them how to build something that will last, you know, something that will have God's approval. And hopefully, we can also learn what are the keys to building something that will truly last. Again, if you have your Bible, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to start actually reading uh, from verse 9, so just a verse before today's passage uh, of verse 10 to 17. So starting from verse 9, I'll read for us. Paul writes to Corinthians, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Amen. This is the word of God. So the main idea we want to focus on today is this. Believers must build the church with care on the one foundation of Christ. I think this also answers our question on how to build. You know, to build something that will last, we need to build with care on the foundation of Christ. Or for those like me that need something simpler to remember, today's main idea is simply build with care. As an outline to our main idea of building with care, we will consider three aspects of building. Number one, importance of the foundation from verse 10 to 11. Number two, the importance of the materials, verse 12 to 15. And number three, importance of what's inside, verse 16 and 17. The first section, importance of the foundation. And number two, importance of the materials. And number three, importance of what's inside. Let's get into it. The importance of the foundation. So we all know that the foundation is extremely important to the structure and integrity of a building, right? 
Earlier in the service for scripture reading, we read about the temple, the Jewish temple being rebuilt in Ezra 3. You know, there was this part that said, all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. You know, for the Israelites, the house of the Lord signified the presence of God. So when the foundation was laid, they were so excited because it meant that the house of the Lord will be rebuilt. Now here, here in Shanghai, we see many skyscraper buildings being built, right? Many times in a building construction site, it would take months or even years before we see the construction workers start building above the ground. Now the reason is that the taller the building is, it's even more important to have a large foundation that is able to secure the entire building. You know, so what do you need as a foundation if you want the building to last forever? Now, this is what Paul is talking about in our passage today. When he talks about a building, he's talking about the people of God. And he's talking about the church and using a building as a metaphor. So remember again, when we talk about a church, we're talking about a group of believers, a gathering of believers. And in verse 9, Paul shifts the analogy from the church being a field where the workers plant and water to the analogy of church being a building, a structure that is being built. Now, who Paul is addressing specifically here is the local church. You know, he's writing to the local church of Corinth, the Corinthians. And we can apply to WSBC because we are a local church, a group of believers in this local area. So what do we need as a foundation if we want to last forever? You know, Paul says it very plain in verse 11. If you look there, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that foundation. The foundation needs to first be able to last forever if we want the building to be able to last forever. And for those of you that are maybe not Christian, yet you might wonder, how can Jesus exist forever? Wasn't he just a man that existed in history back 2,000 years ago in the Middle East? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the eternal God that became fully man. He died on the cross to pay for the sins of the entire human race. You know, the Bible tells us that all of us had a problem, and that is we did not acknowledge God as our creator. We, let, we live it as if we are our own gods. And that offended him and deserved to be punished by forever separation from him when we die. The good news, or the the gospel is, Jesus came to suffer God's punishment in our place. He died being crucified on a wooden cross, but death could not hold him down because he lived a sinless life that did not deserve death. So he resurrected back to life to reign forever as the king for his people. Those that acknowledge our sin problem, repent and believe in the work that Jesus had done, are saved, are his people. So friends, if you're not yet a believer, this is the foundation we are trying to lay in you, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the key. He's the foundation that will last for his people, for the church, for every local church, for all of God's people, for the Corinthian church, and for the BSBC. 
Now, this is also why Paul is telling the Corinthian church that there should be no division in God's church because there is only one foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, members of WSBC, you know, Paul's reminder is for us as well. You know, what ultimately binds us together as a church is our common foundation in Jesus. But not only just to have that foundation, Paul tells the church that we need to build upon this foundation of Jesus Christ. So look back at the second part of verse 10, you know, with me there. Paul writes, let each one take care how he builds upon it. Paul assumes each person is building, and each person needs to take care in how he builds. And we'll talk more about how we should build in the next section. But first, we need to ask ourselves, are we building? Do we even know or think that we should be building the church? Maybe you think that building the church is only for the pastors or the elders and the deacons, maybe the missionaries. Well, I think we need to adjust our thinking. Each person in the church, each member of the body, should be taking care to build. Paul writes, let each one take care how he builds. So here are two ways you can start, or you maybe can expand the portion God has assigned for you to build. So first, pray and ask God how he wants you to do that. Now start a dialogue with God. Let me suggest, you know, for a few consecutive days this coming week, wake up a little earlier in the morning and find a space that you can be alone and ask God. Ask God, how would you like me to build the church? Ask God this question, how would you like me to build the church? Ask God that and wait for him to answer. If you need something to help you to wait, you know, you can read Matthew 6 maybe and meditate on that, Matthew 6. I find that a lot of time when God gives me directions, I end up with more questions. Well, this is good because God wants us to ask those questions and have a dialogue with him. You know, maybe God says, I want you to bring more people into the church. And you might ask him, well, how do I do that? You know, my, my friends are not even interested. And he might say, have you even tried? I mean, usually God wins the debate if I try to have, you know, an argument with him. But the point is, have a dialogue with God. He is alive and living. You can have a conversation. You can have a discussion with him. In fact, I believe he loves that. He loves to have those chat with you. So give it a try. And a second way, a second way, be present. All of you are here, so maybe I say this to people that might be listening to the recording of this message, you know, that Vivian puts together for us each week and make available online you know, later. So maybe just a little side note here. Many of you might not know that we make recording of these sermons available. It is a great resource if you want to listen to a sermon again later on in the week. Or maybe you have to travel and be away. It's good not to miss a section, you know, of the book that we're going through in the Bible. And many of us also serve, you know, the children, you know, in the children ministry, and we miss the sermon. So we can have the recording to help us, you know, to catch up later. And so we would definitely thank Vivian for, you know, this ministry. But back to the second way we can start building, you know, is simply by being present. You know, for those listening and not here, now, how can you be building the church if you're not with the people of God regularly? Now, we want you to come back and join us 
or join another church so you can build with other believers together. And even for all of us here physically right now, do we realize we need to not only be present physically, but also need to be mentally and spiritually present as well? Are we thinking about if we should be involved in building the church and how we should be involved? Or are we just thinking, how am I going to get my work done and and what will I be eating each day? Paul tells the Corinthians, let each person take care how he builds upon the foundation of Christ. We need to care about building something that will last, building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So how to build something that will last? quick summary of this section is we need to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ for our sure salvation. Let's move on to the second aspect of building that we should consider today, the importance of the materials. For those that are in the midst of drawing a place or renovating an apartment, I'm sure you are very familiar with this. The importance of materials you pick to use in renovating You have to pick tiles and paint, cabinets and shelving, furniture, appliances, toilet tubs, sinks, horror filling, lighting, etc., etc. Lots and lots of things, right? So I'm sorry if I'm causing you anxiety. (laughs) But I'm sure everyone takes care to ensure the material you choose looks good, it's easy to use, and that it will last, and it's good for your health, right? That the material is of good quality. Well, Paul tells us that the quality of each person's work or what sort of work he or she built will be tested. Now look with me at verse six, uh, verse 13 there. He said, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. What Paul is saying is that each person's work will what we have built will become manifest, or the quality of what we have built will become clear, will become obvious. And why is that? He says, for the day will disclose it. The day, which is capitalized here, means the judgment day, or God's judgment on that day, and that it will show what sort of work each person has done. And the way it is done is is testing these material used to build the building by fire. Now, Paul mentioned different materials in verse 12. He mentioned gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and straw, right? We know some of these materials will be able to stand the test of fire. Material like gold, silver, and precious stone will survive. But materials like wood, hay, and straw will be burned up. Verse 14 and 15 says, If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Okay, so I I think we can understand the concept that some of the work of building will survive and some will be burned up. Now, what are some of those things that might be represented by the different materials. Hold on to that thought and we'll talk about those in a little bit. But first let's talk about what does it mean in verse 14 that if it survives, 
he will receive a reward. Now, what is this reward that Paul is talking about here? Now, are we going to get a bigger house in heaven if we build what we build survive the test of fire? And what is Paul talking about that the person's work that the person's work that is burned up will suffer a loss, but he himself saved? Again, I think this is talking about the judgment day. The Bible tells us that Jesus will return again at some time, and at that time, everyone will be judged. You know, those who have faith in Jesus in the building illustration is those that have the foundation of Jesus will be saved. They will enter heaven and be with God forever, and those that do not have faith in Jesus will be condemned to hell and be separated from God forever. So as long as you have Jesus as a foundation, you will be saved. However, at the end of verse, 16, uh, verse 15 there, it tells us, only as through fire. So now imagine if you are in a house that got set on fire. You escape without being hurt. And this is great. You, know, you are saved. But you lost everything else because it was burned up by the fire. I think this is a picture that Paul is giving us. For Christians or believers, you know, this judgment will not impact our salvation, no matter how much or how little we build. And we need to be clear, our salvation is not based on works or anything that we can build on the foundation of Jesus. But our salvation only by faith in Jesus. When we believe in Jesus, that foundation is given to us by God. So this judgment by fire will not impact our salvation, but it will determine our satisfaction. Let me repeat that again. The day of judgment will not impact a Christian's salvation, but might impact their satisfaction. There's always only one ultimate reward in heaven, and that is being with God himself face to face. But how we experience our relationship with God when we are with Him face to face, that degree of satisfaction could be different. We need to remember to focus on the ultimate prize, which is the giver of all other reward, God Himself. So the old saying, focus on the giver, not the gift, is a wise one. So what, what is this satisfaction? Let me give you an illustration and hopefully help us to grasp that. Let's say you are on a soccer team, or for us in Shanghai, we call them a football team. Now you have a good coach that taught you all the proper ways to play the game. You know, he taught you the proper techniques of handling the ball. He taught you the proper positioning during the game. He taught you how to communicate and work together as a team. He taught you all the details and strategies to the game. You learn all that. And then first you go to a tournament and you didn't do anything that the coach taught you to do. In fact, you try to do as little as you can. You just rely on the other players on your team and the team actually won. So how would you feel when you go and have to talk to the coach one-on-one -on -one after the game? How would you feel? Hold on to that feeling for a second. Now imagine you go to another tournament 
and you try your best to play the game the way the, call, the coach taught you to play, you're giving your all, participating in the game, and the team won. After the game, if the, if the coach calls you in to talk to you, how do you think it will feel different? The relationship will feel different, right? In the first case, I don't think there would be much satisfaction in the relationship. Yeah, your team won, but you did not have a connection to the coach or to the team. You, know, you didn't listen to the coach and you didn't care about the team. But in the second case, can you imagine the satisfaction knowing that you did what the coach taught you to do? And can you imagine the kind of approval and the way he says, good job from the coach, because he knew you tried your best and did what he taught you to do. The coach is still the coach. You are still on the team, and you still won. But your reward from that victory was more satisfying because of what you did. So I hope that helps, makes a little bit more sense, this idea of satisfaction as a reward that is mentioned at the end of verse 14. One more note on this satisfaction. If the most satisfaction we can get on earth, you know, on a number scale, say, is, is 100, you know, even the basic satisfaction of being saved, escaping through fire with nothing else, and seeing God face to face is something like 100 trillion. You know, the two is not even on the same scale. So being on that foundation of Jesus is critical. But after that, it still matters what we do because it will affect our satisfaction. Hopefully now we understand the importance of the materials we use to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that it will impact our satisfaction, you know, our experience when we meet God face to face. Now we should get into the specifics. You know, are, uh, what are some of these materials? You know, Paul uses the analogy of gold, silver, precious stones, and wood, hay, and straw. Now what exactly could be some of the things represented by these materials? I believe gold, silver, precious stones represent things like faith, obedience, uprightness, humility, service, mercy. You know, you might be able to think of more. Things that God teaches us on how to live as a community of believers. On the other hand, wood, hay, straw, represent things like selfishness, disobedience, jealousy, division, immorality, pride, Again, you can probably name more. Living with worldly values or living by our flesh. When we build with ways God teaches us to live, we will be rewarded. But when we build with worldly values, not in accordance with God or desire of the flesh that is contrary to God, those things will be burned up. We will have wasted our energy and our efforts. So as applications, let's apply this specifically in seven ways real quick. So number one, speaking to the members. 
for the members. Build with evangelism and sharing the gospel. Having more believers of Jesus Christ is for sure something that will last. Believers are the things that will last forever with God. So members, build with evangelism and sharing the gospel. Number two, for children, and which applies to all of us that still have parents that is alive, build with honoring our parents by showing respect and being patient with them. The Bible tells us this is a command from God with a promise that it will go well with us. Number three, for people working in the marketplace, build with honesty and truth in your work. Now we may face short-term loss, but compared to the long-term gain for eternity, it will be an investment well worth the cost. Number four, for those desire to be married, for those desire to be married, build with obedience to God of not marrying unbelievers. Obedience. I know this can be hard, but God will last a whole lot longer than any potential marriages. God will last a whole lot longer. Number five, for all men and women, build with trust in God's design of sex only in the marriage of one man and one woman. Build with trust in God's design of sex only in the marriage of one man and one woman. You know, fleeting pleasure with guilt is no pleasure at all. Our purity matters to God. Number six, for those that have been wronged, those that have been hurt, build with forgiveness working towards reconciliation. Bitterness and rage will be burned up by fire. They will. They are not worth holding on to. And number seven, for everyone, build with the word of God. Build with God's word. Again, the Bible tells us heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will not pass away. This is something that we can hold on to. To wrap up the section, how to build something that will last, we need to build with quality materials that is doing things God's way for our satisfaction. Let's move to the last aspect of building. The importance of what's inside. Number three, the importance of what's inside. Have you seen buildings that are built but no one lives inside of them? No, actually, I think we have lots of those all around China. <laughs> for one reason or another, the building is built but no one lives in it. What happens? These buildings become run down when they are not lived in, right? A building or home needs to be maintained and protected or else it will break down or, or, or be vandalized. And what is inside a building is very important for its maintenance and for its protection. So what does verse 16 says lives inside the church or a group of Christians? Let's look there, verse 16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? The Greek for you there is plural. You know, it means you all. 
all of you believers together are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you all. And the God's Holy Spirit dwells in each believer and lives in the church. So this building we are building on has God himself inside to maintain and to protect it. And really, you know, God is the one directing all the building process. The last verse there should be very comforting for Christians and very troubling for anyone that is against the church. Let's look there in verse 17. It says, if anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Wow. Don't mess with God's temple, right? God doesn't say if anyone destroy God's temple, they will be given a ticket or, or fine or even be punished. And he says, if anyone destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. And we think God is just about love and peace. No, God is more than that. He is a fierce protector. Don't mess with his temple or he will destroy you. Brothers and sisters of WSBC, you are that temple. We are that temple. Holy, set apart for God himself. And what an amazing truth, right? Are we going to be anxious that we will be you know, visited by authority sometime? Sure, as human, we will be anxious. But do we have to be afraid if we are forced to shut down? No. Even if we need to split, split it up or go somewhere else, we can continue to build by God's grace with whatever believers are around us. I think instead, we should have compassion on the authority or officer that do not know God. Pray for them. Share the gospel with them so that they might not be destroyed by God. As believers, we want the good for Shanghai. We want the good for China. We want the good for the Communist Party. We want the good for the people all around us. By being and building a faithful church of Jesus Christ, this is the most good, the best good that we can do. Again, to summarize this section, how to build something that will last, we need to build knowing that the Holy Spirit dwells inside for our protection. We should conclude. Americans have this tradition of trick-or-treating on Halloween, which is every October 31st, and that happens to be today. It involves dressing up in costume for kids and going around asking for candies and treats. Well, my kids participate in this tradition and usually comes home with a big bag of candies and treats each. You know, they have their own tradition of dumping out the bag of candies and treats on the floor and sorting through them. They keep the candies and treats they consider good, and they give away or throws away the ones they consider bad. Well, on that judgment day, there will also be a similar sorting by Jesus. What we build will be tested by fire. The things that survive the fire will be considered good. The bad ones will be burned up. How will we build something that will last? We learn from Scripture today that we need to build on the foundation of Jesus for sure salvation. We also need to build with quality material like faith instead of sight, like obedience before understanding, like uprightness instead of wickedness. We need to build doing things God's way 
for approval and satisfaction because our work will be tested. And finally, we need to build knowing that the Spirit of God dwells inside Christians for our full, full protection to secure our eternity. How to build something that will last? Build with care by faith on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Today I'm going to end with slight changes to one of David's prayer from 1 Chronicle 29 to offer ourselves and build on the foundation of Jesus. So would you pal and pray with me? Heavenly Father, for all things come from you and of your own have we given you. For we are a stranger before you and sojourners. Our days on earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. O oh Lord our God, all this that we have provided for building you a house on the foundation of Jesus come from your hand and it's all your own. We know that you test the hearts and have pleasure in the uprightness. In the uprightness of our hearts, we offer ourselves freely and joyously to you. O oh Lord our God, keep forever your purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct our hearts toward you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The Father's last completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Was your enemy? Now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you.